Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot, and the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in Friday edition of the program. We have made it to the end of the week. Some nice weather once we got through the rain a little earlier in the week and we're headed to week six of high school football tonight with some very interesting games across our area. We'll start with that here in just a moment. The show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany, segment one coming up here in just a moment. We have Football Fridays here on the Hoosier Report where we go around the area and preview what I think will be some of the better games to watch on this Friday evening. And coming up in just a moment, uh, Jason Hawkins, the coach of Charlestown, will join us. The Pirates have won three straight, and they're going to get a challenge tonight from Scottsburg. Should be one of the better games in the area. Also, Providence coach Daniel McDonald, he'll check in with us in this opening segment as well as the Pioneers get ready to take on Holy Cross of Louisville, which I think 10 years now that game has been around. It's been a very good series, become a rivalry between the two smaller Catholic schools in the area, Providence and Southern Indiana, of course, Holy Cross and Louisville. So we'll check in with Coach McDonald tonight. And in the opening segment, we've got to talk a bit about a new rivalry game that we hope is getting together, and that is Jeffersonville and Silver Creek. The first edition of that game will take place this evening as well. A big night of high school football as we head toward the back half of the season, and we'll start with that here in segment one. Later in the show, Dylan Wallace, the sports editor of the Seymour Tribune, he checks in. We'll talk IU football, get into some basketball stuff as well. And then Kyle Neddenrip of the Indianapolis Star will be with us later in the program as well. That's the lineup for Friday, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. I mentioned Scottsburg at Charlestown tonight. We'll start there in just a moment with Coach Hawkins. Floyd Central with a big challenge at Columbus East tonight. Of course, Columbus East coming off of a couple losses. Last Friday, New Albany was able to get past the Olympians on their home field. Jeff at Silver Creek, a new rivalry game blooming here in the area. And New Albany, 3-2, and two, got control at this point of the Hoosier Hills Conference. They take on a very good Bloomington North team who will come to Burkefield this evening. I mentioned Holy Cross of Louisville at Providence, Rock Creek, uh, at West Washington tonight, and Clarksville will take on a good Perry Central team, Perry Central 4-1 and one this season. Jason Hawkins, our first guest today here on Football Fridays as we go around the area, get you all set for week six of high school football. And Coach Hawk, you, you got to be feeling good about this Charlestown team after dropping your first two games to very good Silver Creek and also always solid Brownstown. The Pirates have won three in a row and appear to be playing some really good football. Uh, yes, Matt. We've been uh, improving every week. We've, uh, you know, we didn't really play bad the first two games, but Silver Creek and Brownstown are pretty good. 
And uh, we, we feel like that, you know, we can win a couple more in a row and have a chance to have a pretty good football season. No question about it. This game a year ago, if I remember correctly, uh, was a game where you guys were very shorthanded because of COVID-19 uh, players either with the virus or that had to be sidelined because of quarantine and contact tracing processes. But tonight, I think you've got a, a great majority of your team. Is that the case? Yeah, we're full. We're fully loaded, uh, ready to go. Um, you know, we've had a couple kids go down with injuries, but we're, we're we got most of the team there, and we're uh, ready to play. It's homecoming for us, so we. We expect a big crowd, and uh, the kids are ready to go. Coach Hawk, before we talk a little more about the Pirates and what has helped you guys to success here the last three games, I want to mention Scottsburg. They played uh, Silver Creek very competitively last week and clearly have made some big strides in a young football program at that school that's reemerged. Well, it was 40-7 to seven after three quarters. There so. you go. Uh, you can look at you know how they played, I guess, in the fourth quarter. But, yeah, Scottsburg got the – couple nice receivers um they're both seniors the running back's really nice he's a, also a senior um but that, yeah they play they're pretty good they're pesky on defense they they'll hit you uh move to the ball kyle does a good job coaching them um uh, and you know they they do give us a couple challenges and uh we'll see what happens Last week, you got some big play, Coach, from Jaron Almasiga, uh, who I think was the player of the week in the News and Tribune for his performances, a senior all-purpose player, had 111 yards last week. He was key for you and has been coming on strong as of late. Yeah, he's a great kick returner. He's our kicker, kick returner. He plays a little bit of running back, been playing defensive backs. So I think he's had an interception. Um, we usually put him on the best player that – best receiver that we face uh he's he can do it all he's a little bit of a uh swiss army knife he can uh he he can cut and do a lot of things uh for us and uh really a good kid coach i know you also had some other big performances turned in last week uh in the victory can you give us some other highlights of who's been playing well over this three game stretch yeah our sophomore quarterback clay mcclellan's really coming on strong he's uh he's getting better weekly and he can do some things with his feet and also his arm. Uh, we got a pretty good receiving core. Jake Ollersbag, Xander Morris, um, Jake Helton. Our tight end, Chase Benners, had a pretty good season so far. We we feel like that we can throw it and run it. Of course, we got a good line, Keontae. And uh, I've got, we moved to Andrew Sexton, another 6'6", 320-pound kid. Uh, so we, we feel like our line is doing a good job. And defensively, we just continue to improve every every week. Coach, if you look back to the 2019 season, uh, you guys uh, almost identical so far. You dropped the first two, Silver Creek followed by Brownstown, and then you reeled off a number of wins in a row, in fact, all the way until the postseason. Uh, that's got to be a good feeling to put multiple victories together and feel like your team has a chance to add to that streak over the next few weeks. This part of the year, this part of the season, all about building momentum for the postseason. Yeah, we we try to uh, teach our kids that uh, we want to try to improve every week, and every week is different. And uh, you know, our main goal is just try to improve every week until the playoffs. Absolutely, Jason Hawkins of Charlestown, my guest. As we go around the area and take a look at some of the big football games here in Clark and Floyd counties tonight, a three-game winning streak for the Pirates, and they will host Scottsburg tonight. It is homecoming. Is that correct, Coach? It at yes, Charlestown sir. tonight. So. 
a yes, big sir. game. Little little football weather maybe as well. A little chill in the air tonight that uh, will make it seem much more like the high school football yeah, season my, we think of. And my daughter's on homecoming court, so that'll be interesting too. Absolutely, big night for Charlestown and Coach Hawkins. Coach, always great to catch up. Best of luck tonight and the rest of the way. All right. All right, thank you, sir. All right, uh, going around the area looking at some of the games, uh, Providence and Holy Cross, I mentioned in the open of the show today, it's become a really nice series, uh, Southern Indiana versus Louisville. And Coach Daniel McDonald, the head coach of the Pioneers, with us now. Coach, you obviously know your team very well, but uh, given your background in Louisville, you're very familiar with the Holy Cross program as well. This game has been going for 10 years now, I believe, and, and so far it's been a really good matchup of similar-sized Catholic schools on each side of the river. Yeah, it's a nice rivalry we have going. It's a good series. Um we always play each other tough. Uh, Holy Cross has had some really talented teams in the past, and uh, from everything I've seen, it's always a close game. Coach, I know last week was a loss for the Pioneers, 37-21 to Charlestown, but despite the loss, there were some things in that game I think you saw and liked about the way your team battled back all the way to the close of the contest. Yeah, we had opportunities to, to turn it in, and, and that's just not going to happen with my guys. They're going to they're going to fight and give great effort uh, no matter what. And we clawed our way back, and unfortunately, they had a Charleston had a um, kickoff return for a touchdown that kind of took a lot of momentum away from us. Um, but but my guys fought to the end. Coach McDonald of Providence is my guest as we go around the area looking at some of the top high school football matchups tonight. Coach, this is an opportunity for your team to get back to 500. Uh, a little bit about this Providence team in the victories and even in some of the losses. Who has played well so far this season and stood out to you? I'm uh, I'm very pleased with our quarterback, Carter Lannon. Um, he's, got, he's working on a 9-4 to four touchdown interception ratio. Um, we're, we're throwing it quite a bit more than Providence teams of the past, and he's, he's doing a good job as just a sophomore of making good decisions and um, not throwing the ball into a lot of traffic. Coach McDonald of Providence. Coach, you mentioned that this has become a really even series and a good rivalry for your football club. What do you know about Holy Cross specifically and the challenge that they'll bring tonight? They're always going to play tough. They're always going to be a very physical and well-coached team. Um, they just had a couple transfers from Butler get eligible last week, and they bring a new dimension to their to their team. So we have to make sure that that we play our assignments on defense and tackle well, and then offensively we got to take care of the football. Coach, as, as we go around the area each Friday, it's always interesting to see uh, how things are going from a health perspective as well. I think things generally seem to be better in our area and maybe even across the state as far as teams not missing players or play, players being out due to tracing and quarantine. How are things for Providence as we head to week six and the back half of the regular season? Do you feel some normalcy coming back to high school football, or is it still a different challenge because of the COVID-19 pandemic? Well, I think every day, Matt, we're kind of holding our breath, uh, making sure that nobody's getting contact traced or anything of that nature. Um, but I do, I do feel a sense of normalcy coming back. We're not, um, I, I don't want to say we're not as concerned about it, but we're, we're getting less and less contact tracing every day. Um, so that's encouraging. On the injury front, you know, we're still missing Luke Kruger, who arguably would have been our best receiver, uh, definitely our best deep threat. Um, but other than that, we're, we're pretty healthy as a team. We have Josh Posey coming back, um, our big left tackle. 
uh, from contact tracing. Uh, so we're, we're excited to play tonight. Absolutely. Daniel McDonald, the Providence coach. Best of luck tonight and the rest of the way. Appreciate it, Matt. Have a good one. All right. Daniel McDonald of Providence joining us for a quick chat on the Providence Holy Cross game tonight. That's a 7 o'clock kickoff at Providence High School tonight. And one of the other games I just want to spend a couple moments on it is the Silver Creek and Jeffersonville contest tonight. Silver Creek 3-1 uh, and one this season. They've been one of the standout teams in the area. Jeffersonville just 1-3. and three. Remember, they had a rough start at the beginning of the year. They were on a COVID pause for a few weeks and had to miss the first game of the regular season. Were a little shorthanded in Week 2 as well. But black back playing football and back to some normalcy, I believe there. Uh, I don't know what to expect in this game tonight. I, I think everyone would consider Silver Creek to be a big favorite. Uh, however, uh, this looking ahead, and I've said this earlier in the week on the show as well, this is one of those games that is exciting because two local schools going against each other. Jeff, obviously, a strong athletics program and has had some football success, including a sectional championship. Somewhat of a surprise a year ago, they were able to get it done. And Silver Creek, the last few seasons, has been one of the standout teams uh, as far as their regular season record goes, as far as winning the Mid-Southern Conference last year. And so this is one of those games you hope sticks around and that the teams continue to play each other because this one has the ability two, three, four years down the road uh, to become a rivalry game. You know, Jeff and Silver Creek and so many other sports has been specifically in boys basketball a tremendous rivalry in recent years. And uh, it seems like to me in high school football, we've lost some of the local rivals. Providence no longer playing New Albany and Jeffersonville and Floyd Central. That takes away three of your rivalry games uh, right out of the gate. Uh, but to see this one added back as Silver Creek grows as their football program becomes stronger and seemingly consistently good every single year, perhaps we'll see some other games added with the Dragons. So local games, rivalry games, uh, add an extra boost to Friday night football. It's always great when our locals have success and we have a full slate of games and get back to some normalcy, we hope, with this football season. But there's nothing better than rivalry football to get fall sports in our high school year underway. So kudos to everybody involved in getting Jeff and Silver Creek on the schedule. And let's hope that we see some more of these local rivalries return in some form or fashion. That's a look at uh, high school football for week six. And always fun to go around the area and catch up with some of the local coaches. As we head to commercial break, you know, lots of chatter about Josh Rogers. Uh, he got a win for the Nationals uh, just earlier this week. And he's set to pitch on Sunday in Cincinnati against the Reds. It's an afternoon game, one ten start in that contest. You know, there's been a lot made. We talked about it the next day on the show about Jazz Chisholm of the Miami Marlins, who did the little Euro step as he hit the home run the night before Josh pitched. And then when Josh struck him out the next night, uh, Josh did the little Euro step move coming off the mound, which uh, drew a lot of smirks and, and laughs from people. How about this? LeBron James retweeted the clip of Josh and Jazz doing their little Euro step battle and said, quote, that's so amazing what sports is all about. So that little clip, that little back and forth, uh, it was well received. Both players going back and forth in a very friendly way on Twitter about it. The teams seemed to enjoy it as well. And even LeBron James giving a retweet to uh, Jazz and Josh and their little Euro step moves. So I thought that was pretty cool. Obviously, when LeBron James uh, put something out on social media, 
I think I saw this morning it had like 40,000 plus likes on the post. It's going to be seen by a very wide audience. We'll head to a commercial break. We'll come back with Dylan Wallace. He's the sports editor of the Seymour Tribune. We'll talk IU football, a little basketball, and more. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. Back here on this Friday program, Dylan Wallace, sports editor of the Seymour Tribune, my guest. We'll talk some IU football and basketball here in this segment. Dylan, uh, we've been talking about it all week. This IU football team, they desperately need this victory. Uh, they need to build some momentum with what's ahead on the Big Ten schedule, the games coming up from the conference. And this Western Kentucky game, if anyone has listened to our show or read anything this week about the Hilltoppers, it is not going to be a rollover mid-major team. This is a legitimate football program that has proven that they can put some stats on the board and can play the game. Yeah, absolutely. I just remember uh, just this summer talking to when, with IU Media with football, you know, the coaches had always said, you know, we're taking this game very seriously. This was a game on their schedule that they didn't view as, you know, sort of a cupcake game, some easy walkthrough, sort of like how the Idaho game was uh, two weeks ago. You know, this is a game that, you know, it's going to be it's – it's a night game uh, over in Bowling Green. Uh, I saw they're doing a blackout for Indiana coming to town, so I'm sure the, the stands will be decently filled out for, for a night game against a, a Big Ten school. Um so it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a tough thing. And then you just look at the offensive stats. I think everyone's been talking about it all week. You know, their their quarterback is, he, you know, he's thrown for like 880 yards so far this season in just two games. They didn't play last week. I think they had a bye week. So they play two games and they're averaging, you know, about 420 passing yards a game. Uh, that that's 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 a lot. That's that's a, that's a lot of yards, no matter who who you're playing against. Um, so they're gonna they're gonna want to throw the ball a lot. Uh, they're gonna want to try to push the ball downfield. You know, try to hit, you know create some big explosive plays. So it's going to be a really, really big test for Indiana's defense, especially their secondary. Um, you know, I, I don't think the secondary has been tested in terms of you know teams really trying to take shots. Uh, I think you know Iowa had a, de- a decent amount of success kind of passing the ball. Cincinnati, um, they were kind of more methodical, more marching the ball down the field. So this will be a good test for Indiana um, that for, from Western Kentucky that they really want to try to just kind of sling it down the field and run and gun. And so it'll be a, it'll be a good battle and. You know, I, I think defensively, you know, I, I think the coaches have said, you know, they have some, they have some pretty good athletes. So uh, this, this is this is a, this is a game for Indiana where you just really need to see things start to come together. You need to come out and get a win because you know you, you you really can't afford to lose this game. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, just kind of from with what's ahead going forward the next couple of weeks in the Big Ten. Uh, this is a big win to get back to two and two on the season, back to five hundred. You know, it's massive for this team. Uh, you know, then you're two and one in the non-conference. Um, so, so, so it's really big, but it's not going to be in, you know, kind of a walkthrough by any means. But if that's being said, if Indiana can just show up there and sort of dominate and hang 45 points 
and really kind of stifle that that offense, um, then I think that's going to be a really, really big confidence booster uh, when you head to, uh, obviously, State College the next week after that, which will just be a, a crazy tough game. But this is massive. you got to get the confidence back after um, kind of a self-inflicted loss to Cincinnati, a loss that – uh, everyone kind of thought they should have won. They had it won at certain times, you felt like. Um, so they really need to come out here, be focused, and uh, bounce back in a big way. I think just eking out a victory would be good. You know, you just need to get a win. But I think if this team can come out and really kind of, you know, battle their offenses with, with Indiana, if Indiana's offense can really see itself move the ball down the field with some bigger plays, I think that'll be a big key thing on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Dylan Wallace, my guest. Dylan, um, let's talk more about Michael Penix. And there was so much hype and excitement about him being back and healthy and ready to go uh, at the very start of the season. And there have been mixed reviews so far. Uh, he's he's thrown a lot of picks, and those I know are very aggravating, especially when it happens in a key moment of the game. Tom Allen, I think uh, it was understood this week when he uh, had – very uh, heartfelt comments for Penix that he would remain the starting quarterback, that he fully believed in all of his heart that he was the right guy to lead this IU team still. Uh, I don't think anyone disagrees. We know the talent that Penix has. We've seen glimpses of it at times this year, but nothing like we saw a season ago. But is this a game that if he doesn't turn it on, if he doesn't improve uh, his performance that maybe with what's ahead on the Big Ten slate for this team, a change could be made? Or do you think Tom Allen was signaling earlier this week with his strong comments that this is his guy for the foreseeable future and he's going to continue to roll with him? I think it's possible, um, but, but I, I don't think it would happen just because it would have to be really, really bad, and I don't see it getting that terribly bad against, the team, against Western Kentucky. I feel like Penix will, will be able to – you know, play a little bit better. Um, I don't think he'll get tested as much. I don't think the defense will be as strong to make it seem so bad that, you know, everyone's kind of calling for Jack Tuttle to get in. Um, and, you know, people were calling that during the Cincinnati game, after the game, you just heard fans kind of around Memorial Stadium were, were talking about it. And, you know, I, I, it's always funny that everyone wants the backup quarterback to play until the backup quarterback actually starts playing. And that's no knock on Jack Tuttle, but it's just there was a clear reason why Michael Penix has been named a starter. It wasn't like these two were neck and neck. Penix just eked out the job and over the summer and fall camp, you know, he was the for sure starter and things would have to go really, really bad, you know, for him to kind of lose that job. And, you know, to be fair, you know, six interceptions in, in three games is not good at all. And it's not a standard that it can continue. It's not a level that can keep up. So, you know, obviously he needs to clean, he clean, clean things up. Um, you know, I think, I think the decision-making, um, you know, he's just trying to do too much in situations where, you know, take the sack, throw it out of bounds, take the incompletion, stuff like that. And I think what something that's interesting with him is obviously with all the injuries that he's been through, it seems like his mind is telling him he can still make the throws that he knew he could make last year, but maybe the, the physical abilities from his body, is he's not allowing him to do that anymore. So it's maybe just trying to figure things out, how, how he can do that. I don't know, that might be something that – you know, could that could that would that kind of been laboring him the, the first couple of weeks is just kind of getting used to playing. You know, with with maybe some of the limitations that he had from from suffering all these injuries. But you know, we'll see. And obviously, the the team's confident in him. I mean, when you talk to the players on the team, whether it's the receivers, the running backs, even guys on the defensive side of the ball, you know, they, they love Michael Penix. And you know, I don't think anyone wants to see. No one expected him to struggle this bad, but I think everybody still believes in him. Um, I think he's a pretty confident dude, so I think he believes in himself. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think he it, he would get benched for, for Jack Tuttle or anyone else if, if things go 
poorly at Western Kentucky, but if they go like really bad, like you know, you throw another three picks and Anna loses the game, all right, then maybe. But I, I just think that that scenario is, is a little bit too far fetched out of there for it to happen. So I think it's going to be their starter, um, and, and unless anything terribly happens, it'll probably remain that way. But I think it's good. You know, you you instill confidence in your players. Tom Allen's been a guy that you know if he believes in you and the team believes in you you know, you're going to play. And I think Michael Penix is still, you know, working through some things. And I think a lot of the mistakes that he's made are, are, are essentially correctable. Um, you know, I think just, it, like I said, the decision-making stuff, you know, you got to know when to take a sack. You got to know when to throw it away, stuff like that. You know, he can get better at, you know, it's not like um, he's just every single pass is off target. He can't connect with the receiver at all. It's nothing. It's not all like that. So, I think those those are you know positive things to look for to to improve on going forward, and also just you know he also needs some help. You know I think I wrote a story earlier this week. Just like you can't blame the offensive struggles on one thing. Yes, Michael Penix's decision making has been pretty poor. He's not been up to the level that everyone thought he would be, and that's completely fair. But the offensive line hasn't been good. You know he hasn't had a lot of time to throw, which has caused some pressure for him, which is when he's made some poor decisions. They can't get the running game going, and especially against Cincinnati. I mean, there were just some really, really opportunities that Indiana had to catch the ball, and the receivers just dropped them. You know, he put Penix put put the ball on some guys, you know, pretty good on Saturday against Cincinnati, and, and they were just dropped. So collectively, the offense really needs to to, to pick it up and improve. Um, and it was interesting because we were talking to Grant Hurd, the wide receivers coach, on Wednesday, and he's like, you know, it's hard to go 10, 11, 12 play drives every single time to go get points. And I think Indiana needs some of that explosive stuff that we saw from them last season. You need to push the ball down the field, and you know that that starts with Ty Freifogel, the reigning Big Ten receiver of the year. They all expect him to have a bounce back game on Saturday. So you know you got to hopefully expect the offense to to get some explosion to it, get some quick scores on Saturday to kind of get its rhythm back and then feel a little bit more confident in itself because that's what you're going to need going forward in the Big Ten. But yeah, ultimately I think Penix will be the starter unless something really really bad or you know. Hopefully no injuries happen, but if if things get super bad, then it could potentially happen. But I think I think he'll still remain the starter after Saturday. Yeah, going to be interesting to follow and see how Penix does this weekend at Western Kentucky. One other thing about the game this weekend, you know, you mentioned a blackout at uh, WKU, and if you've ever been there for, and I've been there for a few basketball games, I've never been there. I don't think for a football game, but you know, it's in Bowling Green. It's a unique campus. Uh, very passionate student body, uh, great football fan base, really, for the size school that it is. They've had a lot of success. They've played big opponents and big games on a regular basis over the years. There's no question about that. So in a very small way, this is a tough road game because Western Kentucky is a quality team. They've got a great passing attack, and the fans will be into it. Now, they're not going to be there at the numbers as far as attendance and the stadium doesn't hold what a Big Ten stadium would, but they're going to be fired up to have a Big Ten school on their campus with a chance to get a huge victory. Now, that's kind of a warm-up for what's ahead, Dylan, because you look at October yeah. 2nd, the next week, at Penn State, and if there's one place in Big Ten football – uh, that I would love to go to a game, whether Indiana was playing in the game or not, I think it would be at Happy Valley. I think it would be one of those whiteout Penn State games. I've only been able to see them on TV, uh, but just what a unique place and a special place that is for football. And, of course, we all know the tradition that is at Penn State over the years. But this weekend, in some ways, a small, small tune-up with a raucous crowd and a blackout-type environment at Bowling Green uh, of what much, much bigger will be ahead on the next Saturday when Indiana hits the road to Penn State. 
Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, I think they just had a whiteout last Saturday night against Auburn, and just seeing it on TV, I mean, it yeah. and honestly, it looks so cool. I mean, it's just like I'm just like, wow, that would be the coolest thing to just kind of like, even if you're in the press box or even if you're in the stands or even if you're on the field as a player or coach, like it just looks like the coolest thing to be a part of, especially when it's at night, the whiteout at night. I mean, it just looks awesome, and I think Penn State is doing a a stripe out. I can't, I, they, they had some, they, they did, they, they've already named something they're doing for the Indiana game. I can't remember quite what it is. I wasn't sure if it was exactly a whiteout or something like that. Um, so obviously they, you know, they'll be pretty amped up for that game. There's obviously the revenge aspect of, of kind of last year's game here at Memorial stadium, whether or not Indiana should have won all this and that and how it sort of derailed their season. I'm sure they'll want to get back. And also, you know, also they just look really good right now. Uh, I think they're up to, to six maybe. And, They've just looked really solid the first three weeks of the season. They obviously beat Wisconsin. They just beat Auburn. Um, they look really dangerous. And uh, Indiana needs, you know, this is a game where they, 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 they're they going to have to look good or else, you know, it's going to be hard for a lot of people to believe that they're going to be able to go to Penn State and honestly maybe even be competitive because it's going to be hard to go there and, and get a win. Um, so, you know, this is, this is a nice tune-up, as you said. They obviously, you know, have some experience banking on sort of the Iowa thing in the season opener. I don't think it'll be like that at Western Kentucky, but I always was wondering, like, what if Indiana was like two and one or three and zero going into this game? What if they were ranked? Like, how much different would the crowd be for the Western Kentucky fans? You know, do they look at Indiana like, oh, they're just one and two? You know, they're one of the the bad Big Ten team. I don't know how they view Indiana right now. Do they? Do they? Do they know that this is still a potential top twenty-five team? Do they? Do they care? Blah blah. blah. You know, I was always curious to see kind of what Indiana would be heading into this game and how it would affect sort of the environment. But obviously, a blackout. It's a night game. Um, it means I'm sure they might be wearing some black shirts or something like that. I'm not sure. So it, it'll be a definitely a good environment. It's a big opportunity for them to beat a Big Ten school. So you know, they're going to be out and ready to go and kind of ready to, to high fly and throw the ball down the field. And it, it'll be interesting. You know, Indiana secondary. Uh, you know they're they're one of the strengths of the defense. They're getting Devon Matthews back at strong safety this Saturday. He got hurt during the Iowa game, so that'll be really good to have him back. Um, and you know, I think a couple of guys said you know the defense is excited to try to you know create some takeaways, get some interceptions that we saw them get uh, a lot in 2020. So you know that'll be a good test. That'll be a good battle. I think that's probably the most intriguing matchup: their passing attack versus Indiana's passing defense. Um, so I'm really excited, and that's also a good thing to see. You know, how good is Indiana's pass rush? Can they get to the quarterback? You know, it's, that's that's been a, something that Indiana's struggled with uh, really a lot. You know, it's not been something that they've been able to do well at the defensive line. They've usually had to drop sort of a certain amount of blitzes with linebackers or the cornerbacks or safeties even get pressure on the quarterback. So can that interior, can that D-line by itself when you rush for, can they create some havoc? We'll see. You know, it'll be interesting. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to kind of see that battle, and it'll just be a really big – a uh, really big test for them to kind of come out on top, get some confidence because you're going to need all the confidence you can get when you go to state college on, uh, on uh, October 2nd. Um, and that's a night game as well. So it's going to be, uh, it's going to be pretty crazy. Uh, so it, it's a tough stretch for Indiana, but if you can go into Penn state two and two, um, and then that's, that's your one game before the bye week before another really tough big 10 stretch where you got to rank Michigan state and a ranked Ohio state at home. So uh, nothing's going to get easier. So you really need to go out there on Saturday Play well and get a win. Yeah, absolutely. Dylan Wallace, sports editor of the Seymour Tribune. You mentioned fans, and so I want to go there for just a moment. Uh, let's assume that IU does win on Saturday in Bowling Green because if they don't, I think it's a loss that can really affect the, the fan belief and fan momentum in this team. But if Indiana wins and takes cares of business, takes care of business on Saturday against Western. Uh, I'm curious, you know, if, if they're defeated by Penn State, if they lose a handful of games in a row, maybe Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State, those are all three very tough games 
all in a row. When we get later in the season, I'll be curious to see what the fan base is like. Because so far uh, against Idaho, even after the bad loss to Iowa that killed some early season momentum, uh, the fans were great. Then Cincinnati, it was a sellout. The environment in Bloomington was awesome, at least for most of the game. Uh, I, I'm just curious, with so much hype and momentum around this team, people have been so thrilled with the job Tom Allen has done, so ready for football, not just for IU football this year, but for some normalcy and crowds and tailgating and the environment that surrounds it all. I'm just curious if Indiana does, and maybe I think I can say when they do suffer some losses coming up, uh, how the fan base reacts to that. I think it's really interesting when you look at the schedule because if they lose to Penn State, so they're 2-3, and three, they head into a bye week, um, how does that affect the crowd for the Michigan State game at home on October 16th? You know, Michigan State's not always a, a you know, they or I mean, they, they were supposed to be kind of down this year. They've obviously had a really nice resurgence under Mel Tucker as his second year there at head coach. Uh, if they're in the top 25, maybe that draws some more interest for fans to come out and see it. Um, I'm sure it'll be an amazing kind of weather day in terms of, like, tailgating weather. It'll be nice and cool. That Cincinnati game was brutally hot. I mean, it was it was, it was was crazy. It was, like, super hot. The, the concession stands were kind of a mess over in Memorial Stadium. But, you know, I'm curious to see – if they lose to Penn State, does that lose interest in the Michigan State game? And then after that, you have the Ohio State game. That'll be a big crowd no matter what. It's Ohio State. They're going to bring a lot of fans as well, so it'll be pretty packed for that. Um, but, you know, you said, like, if, you, if you're if you 2-5 and five after that stretch and you have losses to Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State, I'm sure games like Minnesota at home or games like Rutgers at home won't see as big of a crowd as, you know, even maybe maybe even the Idaho game that we had, the second first home game of the season. I, I just feel like people might, I don't know if they lose interest, but lose belief maybe, but just not have much of a desire to kind of come out because it's just like, well, the season's already lost. People might have that mentality. I'm not saying everyone will, and I'm sure a lot of people will still want to show up. But, yeah, I think it could really affect things because, I mean, then you go to the flip side, if you beat Michigan State or you maybe beat Ohio State or something like that, one of the two, or, you know, you have – two wins in that three-game span or you're one, you know, what, something like that. You know, maybe the interest for, you know, playing at home against Minnesota in November and Rutgers and stuff like that is a little bit more, you know, people want to come out and see it a little bit more. So I think it will definitely affect things, and I think maybe the way they lose could, you know, but, uh, you know, then again, you know, they got, they got smoked by Iowa and everyone still came out for Idaho. So if they get smoked by Penn State, will people come out for Michigan State? Maybe, probably, because I think Michigan State will still be ranked by then, so that'll you know appease some more interest. But yeah, I think it'll be really interesting to kind of see how how the season goes, how it affects the crowds that turn out at Memorial Stadium. Um, but you know, we'll see. It's going to be really interesting to thing to follow, especially as the weather gets colder. Does that affect people wanting to come in, come out at the stadium, stuff like that? So um, I, I think that's a really good point to bring up, and it's something to really look out for. But I think you know Indiana still has a decent amount of fan base. You know, the, you know Indiana football fans have kind of suffered for a long time, and you know, they they had high expectations this year, and they haven't been quite been met yet. But there's a lot, a lot of opportunities left on the schedule, and uh, you know, if Indiana can kind of get some exciting wins here, I think that that excitement level and the fans turnout will remain, and that'll be a cool thing going forward. Dylan, if we need any more reminder that football is cruising along and basketball will be here before you know it, IU men's basketball media day is Monday. Hoosier hysteria is coming up in really a week and a day as we sit here on Friday, yeah. the twenty fourth. 
it's almost here, and next week, right out of the gate on Monday afternoon, we're going to be treated to a lot of content from Coach Woodson and from a lot of the roster. We expect to hear from many, many players on Monday afternoon. That's kind of the final warning that the season is here, and we'll really get a chance to dig in on things, on what this IU team could be like and how things are going very early on under Mike Woodson. Yeah, no doubt. That'll be fun. I mean, I, I don't know how the media day setup is for Indiana this year, but usually we would talk to every single player on the roster. Um, so that's a really cool opportunity here from all the guys. Um, you know, you get them in sort of groups of three and whatnot. Um, I, I don't know how things might have changed or whatnot like that, but, you know, if you can, you know, that's always a cool opportunity to read kind of what everyone says and stuff like that. And then, you know, couple, you know, five days after that, you got Hoosier Stare on October 2nd. That'll be a really fun opportunity. You know, you have the, the men's team with Mike Woodson there ushering in, and I'm sure the crowd, a lot of people want to show up to see him and, and kind of hear what he has to say and see some of the, the fun competitions they do. You also have the women's team, you know, Elite Eight run last year. They're returning all five starters, so there'll they'll be a lot of excitement around them as well. Um, then, you know, the week after Hoosier Hysteria, October 2nd, is the October 9th weekend, the 8th. I mean, that's Big Ten Media Day in Indianapolis, so, you know, Indiana – We'll be there as well, as will, you know, all the other Big Ten schools in Indianapolis. Um, so, you know, we're going to have about three straight weeks of, of kind of basketball content uh, gearing up right before, and that'll take us, you know, just a couple weeks away from the, the start of the season. So it, it, it's right here. I mean, I actually just texted someone, you know, because I, I realized I was like, I was like, oh, like, who's your series a week from tomorrow? Like, that's, that's crazy. Like, I didn't even realize it. Like, it's, it's all coming up so fast. And, uh, you know, it's one of the, the coolest times of the year when you got that college football and college basketball overlap. The weather gets cooler. It's nice and crisp outside. You kind of, you know, hoodie weather. You get to go out and enjoy things. I mean, it, it's it's a great it's a great sports time of the year, um, and, and I'm really excited. And yeah, you know, we'll have some really good basketball content in the next three weeks or so. So that that's always nice. Always good to write about that and talk about that as well. So exciting times uh, for for the Hoosiers and just kind of the college sports world in general. Absolutely. Dylan Wallace, sports editor of the Seymour Tribune, always with us Fridays for the latest on IU football and basketball. Dylan, enjoy some high school football tonight. I know you'll be covering one of your local teams in the Seymour area, and we'll catch up next week. And when we talk again, it will be uh, 24 hours or less from the start of the season, if you count Hoosier Hysteria as the official start, and uh, that will be exciting. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, Seymour Brownstown. It's uh, the Jackson County Bowl. The two two rivals in uh, Jackson County. So big game, big rivalry day. It's like IU Purdue essentially. Uh, absolutely, uh, that's a that's a big one. Dylan, thank you. Yep, thank you guys as always. Dylan Wallace of the Seymour Tribune. A reminder: beginning on Monday, we are going to debut at least on this program the Thornton's text line. So uh, really look forward to getting your input, your questions. Uh, I'll use your comments to guide questions with guests that are coming on the program. I think we have tremendous guests when it comes to IU football, basketball, local sports here in the area. Also, we'll just read some of them on the air as well. I'm excited to get that underway. So be listening Monday when we come on for instructions and the number about how you can be part of the program each and every day here on the Hoosier Report. And speaking of Thornton's, make sure you download the Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app today for great offers 
and savings on fuel every day at your local Thornton. So the Thornton's text line coming to the Hoosier Report on Monday, and we look forward to uh, getting you more involved with the program. Don't forget, if you can't join us live here on the Big X, you can always find us as a podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to them. All you got to do is just search for the Hoosier Report. You can subscribe. It's free. Uh, You can listen on demand. Go back and catch a segment that you missed. And while you're there, leave us a rating and a review, if you would. It'll help us connect with others that might be interested in a radio show and a podcast about IU sports and things here locally in southern Indiana as well. We'll head to a break. We'll come back with our final segment of the week. Kyle Rip, one of my favorites with the Indianapolis Star. Lots of basketball, maybe a little high school football to catch up on as well. We'll have Kyle on next here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. Kyle Nedenrip of the Indianapolis Star with me here in this segment. As always, on Fridays, we talk a lot of basketball, we talk recruiting, we talk high school sports and more, and I'm sure that we'll cover all of that and maybe more here in this segment. Kyle, I thought that earlier this week, uh, the new 247 sports rankings in the class of 2022 came out. A lot of players from our state or with connections somehow to our state like Jalen hood Shafino, who's a big-time get for Mike Woodson, ranked number 24 in the latest uh, 247 sports rankings. But I thought overall a good uh, list of players with uh, Hoosier State connections. Yeah, definitely. It was, uh, you know, and I'm kind of going through even this morning on, you know, kind of getting our top teams uh, organized and, you know, getting out to some open gyms starting this week and, and last week. and, and uh, But, yeah, this 2021 class, we you know, we talked about for – a couple of years and they're lost a lot of good players to graduation. 2022 is maybe not as deep overall, but you know, still has some good high end talent. And I think it's going to end up being a, a pretty good class in the state, but you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, the IU recruit from out of state, uh, Hood Shafino, and then, you know, you had Jalen Washington in there, uh, Kamari Lance, who's actually from Indianapolis, but never played, you know, never played here as a, as a uh, IHSA player, did play at Lalamere for a couple of years, but he's uh, he's there in that in the rankings, and you know that Lance name is one that that people know. Lance Coleman and Jalen Coleman, his his cousins, um, you know, growing up here played at Cathedral. So uh, and then you know Fletcher Lawyer is a name we've talked about a lot going to Purdue. Who I think will be a, a Mr. Basketball candidate along with Washington. Um, you know, there's also C.J. Gunn who's going to IU, who's in, in that list, and then. You know, they only go to I think 150 on their their top uh, you know in their in their class so you know you don't get down you know, too too far uh, but I think there's a lot of good players in that class still and we saw one commit this week uh, Jackson Edwards uh, to, from Cathedral who committed to Murray State uh, got a nice shout out from uh, John Morant uh, you know after committing so I, there's guys like that I think Jackson Edwards could be a steal type of player and. You know, talking to some, you know, not only football, but, uh, you know, basketball commitments. There's another one, Ryan Conwell, who uh, is going to commit uh, on Sunday. Uh, he's more of a mid-major type player, but from Pike, who, 
you know, again, didn't have any offers, you know, as, as uh, we got into June and, you know, the, the pandemic changed so many things for our world and also they're filtered down to recruiting. And, you know, we talked about Connor Essigan last week from, from uh, central noble, but Ryan Conwell, a lot the same, you know, where he didn't get, uh, you know, any offers until he was seen, you know, and then he got seen and, you know, he had lots of offers, lots of mid-major offers. So, kind of a similar story with Ryan Conwell. And I always wondered why he wasn't getting more uh, even last year while he was playing during the season. But, you know, that's partly explainable by, you know, coaches just not being able to get out there, obviously. So I, I'm happy to see he's going to get an opportunity to just visit Appalachian State. So uh, he's got some good opportunities out there for himself. And, and uh, you know, I think some of those 2022 kids are going to, you know, end, end up uh, getting some opportunities now that they've been able to be seen a little bit. Yeah, no question. Kyle Deddenrip, the Indianapolis star. Uh, this is a player I probably have asked you about him more than any other player in our state in recent months. When you join us Fridays is Indianapolis Cathedral's Xavier Booker. He's continued uh, to pick up scholarship offers. I think the latest I've seen him receive was yesterday he announced a offer from Clemson. Indiana is very involved. Many Big Ten schools are involved, and it seems like his recruitment is really beginning to grow out of the Midwest into more of a national-type recruitment. He is very much on the radar, Kyle. Yeah, he is, and, and you know, I'm not surprised to see him get that one. And you know, That was just yesterday, but he's also, you know, like you said, has IU uh, firmly in the in the mix, and he's he's got a lot of, of uh, op- offers on the table, and you know, just, uh, you know, had a visit to uh, Kansas State uh, here recently. And, you know, there's a connection there with Chris Lowry as a coach there to the state. So, um, you know, he's he's got, uh, you know, he, he's got a long list of high major offers. I need to get over there here soon. And I'd like to catch up with him and do a little bit more on him. The problem is Jason Delaney does these morning workouts and I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not a super <laughs> early morning person. So I, I prefer the afternoon open gyms, but uh, I'll get there uh, here before too long. But, uh you know, looking forward to you know seeing what he does this year. Yeah, I, I know we've talked before, but he didn't play he didn't play a ton uh, as a as a sophomore, and partly because you know they had a really good team, and partly because he's still kind of you know those bigger guys just kind of t- takes him a little bit longer. And he's he's all of you know six ten, six eleven, long wingspan, and and the 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 neat thing about him is he's got really good skill. You know, good shooter, good shooting touch. You know, you can you can put him on the perimeter or inside, and obviously his his role as a shot blocker kind of goes without saying at that size. So, you know, there's no there's no uh, you know mystery <laughs> as to why he's getting these these offers. But uh, I think he's got a cool story to tell, and and uh, you know it'll be interesting to see where he ends up going. But you know, at the end of the day, you know it'll be he's got to produce probably a little bit more this high school season i know they're looking for him uh to do that more uh just to you know and you know with that comes obviously playing time and and i think he'll earn more uh this season but uh you know looking forward to seeing what he does this year as a junior he's one of those intriguing uh maybe the most intriguing player in the state just because there is you know know, the pandemic and he hasn't just played a ton at the high school level yet so there's some some mystery about him still it's interesting you mention it that way because uh, there is some mystery about a number of guys in our state, and I'm sure that that example is true across the country because of the pandemic, because of the loss especially of the spring and summer stuff a year ago, and high school basketball just wasn't the same. There weren't as many big showcase events, and it just had a completely different feel last season. Um, there are some guys that we think are household names that colleges are offering scholarships to 
but we just don't know the full story about him yet, and things seem a little off, a little behind, maybe. Yeah, no, it, it, that's that's true. I mean, it's just uh, you know, it's it's a weird thing that I don't think there's any precedent for this, but it, we're kind of kind of coming out of the darkness. It feels like, and I even thinking back to last year, it didn't feel. It felt more. Uh, it definitely felt different than even though my job is relatively the same, and you're still out watching high school games. It's just it's just so different and. You know, we're we're getting back to a place where we're in a more of a routine, and and you know, coaches being able to come to open gyms even is is different. Yeah, it's it's the same, but it's different than it was last year. So, you know, we're getting back on a more different cycle, uh, you know, than than we were last year, and and I think that's a great thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of you know, a lot of uh, you know, this 2022 class especially has probably been hit harder than even last year's uh, class. Uh, because they weren't seen until this past summer, so uh, you know it's it, it it'll make for some uh, interesting situations in recruiting for sure. No question, Kyle Nedenrip, thank you of the Indianapolis Star with us on Fridays. That wraps it up for Friday and for the week. Get out to a high school football game tonight. We'll be back on Monday at 11 a.m. here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. <laughs>